What's up, guys? Jared here from the Dad Tired Podcast. Last week, we talked about what to do when you feel like a grumpy old man, and I suggested that if you sense something is going on under the hood of your life, that you pull over, spend some time, and try to figure out what God is trying to show you. In today's episode, I've invited author and pastor Adam Mabry to come and share some really practical tips on what it looks like to slow down, to Sabbath, and to rest in the Lord. Thanks for hanging out with us. Before we dive in, I want to thank my good friends over at the Marriage After God podcast for sponsoring this episode. Marriage After God is a weekly podcast hosted by my good friends, Aaron and Jennifer Smith, who are the authors of the books Husband After God and Wife After God. Their podcast is so good. It covers topics like intimacy and boundaries and parenting, so much more. Be sure to go over there, subscribe to their show, show them some love. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Adam, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, for our listeners, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days, man. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Adam Mabry, and I am the lead pastor of Aletheia Church. Um, we're a, a church with a few different uh, campuses in uh, the greater Boston area. So we have one in Cambridge, Massachusetts, between Harvard and MIT, and then one in downtown Boston. And then uh, our most recent congregation is in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and we've lived here for handful of years and are glad to see Jesus doing some cool stuff in this area. That's cool, man. Tell us about your family. Uh, well, I, uh, I got married super early. I met my wife at the age of 15. Um, Holy cow. In, uh, is that when you got married? Uh, no, no, that was, <laughs> almost though. Um, uh, but she did drive on our first date, but because I'm a gentleman, I opened the driver's side door for her, which I feel like is pretty smooth still. That's awesome. Um, uh, no, we got married, uh, actually I was 20. Um, the, we, I, I was highly motivated to marry her. And the only thing my parents asked was, well, please graduate college first. So I took that as permission to overachieve to the max and shove my four year degree into two years. And, uh, and we were married a week later. And so, um, then we became, uh, uh, we, we got quite, um, unexpectedly called into full-time ministry and we ended up, um, moving overseas as missionary church planters, um, in Europe for a handful of years. Um, and, uh, after about five or so years doing that, we moved to Boston to plant a church here. Um, so now we have, we have four kids, um, two girls, 11 and 13, and then two boys, five and eight. Wow, man. Your dad tired for sure. Like all the way to the bone. I haven't, I haven't slept in 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So that's a great segue. You, you ended up writing a book, uh, called the art of rest. Um, yeah. how, how are you dad tired and figuring out what like motivated you to write on this topic of rest? Yeah. Well, it's a funny story. I mean, I jokingly say that the book should be called the art of irony because the, when, when I was approached to write this book, I, I totally thought it was going to be you know, someone approaching me to write a book about the things that I perceive myself to be good at, like planting <laughs> churches or preaching or like something like that. And, uh, and so when, when I was approached about the idea of writing a book on rest, I kind of did like a spit take, you know, and <laughs> I was like, wait, no, you've got the wrong people, uh, for like, you, you this is not ever going to work. But <clears throat> they were like, no, no, we, uh, we've kind of bumped into your, you know, your teaching series and stuff. And, uh, we've kind of decided that if you could learn to stop, then there's hope for like everybody. Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty much a serial overachiever um, mm. surrounded by serial overachievers. And, uh, and so learning how to stop for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my wife, just for the sake of my own walk with Jesus and like longevity and ministry 
Um, it, I mean, it, it had to happen. Um, God it taught me through pain that if I do not stop, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll blow it all apart pretty quickly. Mm. Um, so that's really what the book is about. The book is designed to be written for, um, the mom, like with all of her kids or the dad who is tired or the young man who's just trying to climb the corporate ladder or like the people who are stuck in the middle of that part of life, whatever that happens to be, that feels like they'll never escape from it. And so maybe they'll, they'll learn to Sabbath or they'll learn to rest when things get easier. And the dirty little secret is that they never get easier. Um, mm. and so we, we got to learn how to, how to practice the art and pick up, pick up the, the art now, um, even if we're not good at it and, and start, start trying to stop long enough to rejuvenate and, and listen to the Lord and have something to give our kids and our churches and our spouses. Mm. You know, I have, I have these, I had two interactions with people who are not from the States. Uh, one was a friend from Serbia. Actually, I had, I had visited Serbia several times over the last few years and he had moved to the United States in the last couple of years. And I asked him what was something that stuck out to him and, uh, you know, what were some of his early impressions of being here in America? And he said, uh, his first words were, uh, it surprised me that you guys drink and drive. And I was like, what the heck? Like, who are you hanging out with <laughs> that, people are, <laughs> that people are drinking and driving? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you know, you in, in Serbia, when we drink coffee, it's to, to like to sit and to be with people. Uh, and it's highly relational, but you guys like drink coffee and you keep moving. <laughs> uh, you just drink coffee as like energy, um, which was new for him. He had never really seen that or experienced that or watched people do that. And then I, I had this other interaction actually through a friend that was ministering to refugees from Afghanistan. And he was talking about how quick our pace of life is and how uh, he says he one of the things he noticed being in America was that even the way we breathe is fast. Uh, we, <laughs> we we can't even like it, it, it like stuck out to him that our breathing is quick. The way that we like talk and breathe is just so rapid. And it was kind of both of those things hitting to the idea of like we are so fast paced, addicted to busy. Um, why like why do you why do you think that is? You know, after you're you're in a. Uh, you yourself admittedly are love to be productive and uh, you're around in an, in an environment of people who are high achievers. Like what is it uh, kind of in, in, I guess, embedded into our culture that causes us to be kind of addicted to busy? Yeah. I, I can think of like, maybe, maybe we should compartmentalize some of these reasons. I can think of cultural reasons. I can think of emotional reasons. Um, and then I can think of, um, um, even even like our, our spiritual heritage as a nation. Um, so maybe I'll start just first with the cultural ones. Um, we are known around the world as a nation of doers. I mean, that's just who Americans are known as. I mean, even me living overseas and my network of churches that I'm a part of is mostly made up of people that aren't American. And so I feel like I get to see, I get a mirror held up to our culture with a high degree of regularity. And uh, one of the things that I, I think God has given as a good gift to our culture um, is productivity, that, that we are dependably uh, productive. And uh, that, that's, that I think is a good thing. But of course, the enemy can't create anything, right? So it, everything he has or owns is really a privation of what is originally a really good thing. So, um, so I think that, that that productivity oriented towards something really ugly turns into overwork, turns into, uh, turns into that. Um, the uh, emotional reason, I think, 
um, has to do with pain, so much pain. Man, I can't think of a better way to hide from my own pain than by the good feeling of getting something else done it has nothing to do with my pain. Um, I mean, even just part of my story uh, growing up, the, the, the really the only source of consistently positive feedback that I would get would be when I accomplished something good. And so just from an early age, you know, like a Pavlovian dog, man, that that bell would ring, I would salivate and I would, I would keep doing that. And so, um, I just learned that that, that was a, a great way to, to deal with what was otherwise kind of painful points about my childhood and my own inner life. And then spiritually, our own spiritual heritage is, um, you know, I mean, think about the first Christians who landed upon these fair shores, right? I mean, they, they, they got off a boat where a third of them died and then they had to like get after it. And then another half of them died. And then they finally started to make something of themselves. And, um, uh, that that's, that's just kind of in our bones. I mean, the whole American evangelical movement has always viewed itself very much as a missionary sort of thing uh, that, that was about getting the mission done and, and producing new material and publishing houses. And so that, these are the reasons I think that we've landed up this way. But now busyness has been turned into a kind of cultural capital that it has never been before. I was reading an Oxford study uh, maybe this was a couple of weeks ago, where um, signs of wealth and prominence have changed over the hundred, last hundred years. So if you were very wealthy in, you know, 1918, you would have demonstrated your wealth by never working, but by living in a constant stage of leisure. But now, if you're very wealthy and you want to show everyone how important you are, you constantly talk about how busy you are and how you can't mm. make it to things. And this has become the weird new virtue signal for being quite important and for showing people in this you know, weird demonstration of our overworked peacock feathers, how big and important we are. Hmm. And, um, and so now, even in my own city of Boston, just, just getting my own church people to sit down long enough to know one another um, is really hard, really hard uh, to, to, to teach them how to, how to stop. So th those would be some of the reasons I think we've gotten there. Wow. Man, that's really interesting. That's a fast. Can if you get a chance, can you send me that article? I'd love to link that into the show notes. Uh, Absolutely, for people to read. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, from biblically, uh, it's interesting because we obviously the idea of Sabbath is all over the Old Testament and the sure. idea of a rest. Um, and yet it's something that we very, very rarely talk about in our churches today. I don't know if I can think back to a single message or sermon series uh, on rest. Uh, in my all my years of church, which is crazy to think about. Biblically, what do we learn uh, about resting? Well, so uh, first of all, I can totally identify. I mean, I I have been in ministry for what, no, like 13 years, 14 years or something. And it occurred to me a couple of years ago, which was sort of the genesis of this whole Art of Rest project. Wow, I'd never taught on this whole huge theme of Sabbath rest, yeah. <laughs> um, which is a huge deal in, in the Bible. And I just sort of ignored it. Um, uh, and so biblically we, I mean, rest shows up right at the, at the creation story. God makes everything and then he stops. Um, and in so doing sort of ensconces, uh, this day of rest in the calendar, but also, uh, impregnates it with all this meaning, um, and, and importance for humans. And then what you see is, uh, the, the next time this really shows up is in the Exodus story. God's people are, are in bondage to this false God king who demand their ceaseless labor so that he can live in ceaseless rest. 
And so God delivers his people by grace through Moses, brings them across the Red Sea, and then gives them the law, which is a whole new way to live. And a huge part of that is God saying to his people, listen, I'm not like Pharaoh. I'm not a false god. I don't need your work. I actually want you to learn to rest, you. And, and then he gets really detailed, like you, your animals, the foreigners, the kids, everybody. Um, everybody stop because I am the creator of the universe and I'm the one who rescued you. So we're, just lean into that. And then when you read the prophets, uh, the big thing that God very often will go after Israel for is like, yo, you're not you're not resting. You're working and living as if someone else were your God. And I don't, I'm not like that. And now you're living a whole different story. Um, and so the, the nations can't see who I am because you're not, you're not resting with me. You're treating me like I'm demanding things of you that I don't. You're giving me sacrifices that I don't want. Um, and you're not, you're not doing the important things like loving one another and, you know, being kind to the widow and being generous and, and upholding justice. And so then God obviously judges his people. Jesus shows up and he just, just totally deconstructs this weird set of ideas everyone had around Sabbath, um, you know, and, and the famous confrontations that he had with the Pharisees over it. And then, of course, he dies and rises and um, Sabbath begins to be celebrated, obviously, in the day of Jesus' resurrection. And then the writer of Hebrews is like, yo, this Sabbath thing is actually kind of metaphorical to all that Jesus was here to bring us, that, that he's brought us into this fruitful spiritual rest. So let's make sure we don't miss it by busying ourselves with a lot of religious noise and duty to keep our minds on, on Jesus. And so it's a huge theme. Um, and we, I, I just think, you know, our enemy is brilliant. Um, he's not, he's not new at this and he is not stupid. And, uh, so if he can convince particularly Western Christians that the best way to live is in a constant state of busyness, then he's got us spiritually deceived and we, we deprive ourselves of the time to enter into the presence of God and into rest. Like we are graced with and like we are promised. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, that I, I'm probably guilty of this as well as kind of justifying my lack of rest because, uh, you know, in the new Testament, it seems like that you, people make arguments and I've even heard to say, you know, that where you're no longer commanded to Sabbath. Uh, and it seems like it's just kind of blown out. Um, what do you, what, what would you say to the people, uh, maybe like myself who can yeah. subtly get in and justify their lack of rest? Yeah, so there have been two basic theological positions around Sabbath, which is, uh, you know, what you might imagine. Uh, one is the New Testament commands Christians to regularly Sabbath on the Lord's Day as, um, you know, so therefore do basically what, what the Jews may have done, but just do it on Sunday. And um, and so there are whole uh, communities and cultures of Christians throughout history that have embraced that. And then uh, more popular nowadays is, is the idea that, um, you know, that the New Testament teaches that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And so the point isn't the days. In fact, Paul says, don't, don't let anyone get on to you about like, you know, keeping Sabbath rituals and all of that. But, you know, just remember it's all about Jesus. And, and so this, this position says, you know, it, it, we're not required to hold the Sabbath like, um, like Jews. I, I actually am persuaded by the second position, but what we've done is go, oh, well, because we're not required of it, we're not required to hold a Sabbath. Therefore we have nothing to do with a Sabbath. And that's, that's just profound foolishness. Um, that would be a little bit like saying, well, Jesus is the fulfillment of the command, you know, not to, uh, Jesus augments the command not to murder. And so therefore we don't have to be too concerned about violence. Like, of course not. 
right <laughs> he's right. just he's just brought a you know a fuller revelation on what what that original part of the decalogue was about um, it, it's the same thing i think with with sabbath so while not stopping on sunday might not be sin it almost certainly is stupid um and so we burn ourselves out and um then we're surprised that you know and we blame god you know, why would god arrange my life to be this busy and this crazy um and and so it seems to me like i while i am convinced theologically of the second position um we that, that doesn't mean that our relationship with the old testament is to just toss it um that would obviously not be the case we're, we're to lean in and go well what how does jesus free us from rigid requirements that the pharisees were trying to lay on folks but also in in enable us to more faithfully adhere to what God had in mind. Um, and, and that I think is a wonderfully liberating thing. Something I'm, again, that's why it's the art of rest. I'm not, I don't come at this topic as an expert, but as a failure. Um, but someone who's convinced it's super important. And in the midst of Liz, being a really busy person, living with really busy people, I'm more determined than ever to try and embody it. What has it been like for your soul and for your family as you are learning the art of rest? Certainly better. Um, I mean, it would probably make for, you know, one of those better stories, right? If I had like a, um, the sort of magic transformation, I started taking <laughs> right. a day off and then I, you know, was never mean or angry or sinful again. It, it's not been that. Um, but it, it, it's certainly been better. Um, I, I certainly have been freed from this constant need to, produce. It's difficult for me to describe the, (laughs) the, uh, pathological joy I derive from scratching (laughs) something off my to-do list. I just really, really like it. And so in the book, I describe this constant argument that my wife and I have on every day off that I have, which is, okay, it's my day off, honey, what do you want to do? And she will say something like, oh, you know, let's just see what happens. And then my heart palpitates and I get annoyed and I go, no, um, (laughs) we don't see what happens. Uh, we, we have a goal. The goal here today is rest. So let us achieve that goal. <laughs> right. can imagine, I'm a wonderful person to be married to. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's just how I am, man. So learning how to receive from God the permission and grace to stop and to actually not have much of a plan except to enjoy him or to to laugh with my kids and there to be no agenda. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not perfect at it, but I am... I'm convinced that it is profoundly important and profoundly lacking in our modern Christian practice. Yeah, we had uh, I've had John Mark Comer on the podcast, and he's he's written and talked a lot about rest. And then we had uh, AJ Swoboda, who wrote a book on rest. He was on, uh, so we've talked about this subject before. And all the common theme is there is how much practice it takes to learn how to rest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, it just go, you know, we've started to practice Sabbath as a family and it's just awkward and clunky, uh, at the, at first it's just, we don't know how to stop and slow down and we like to put rules on it. I actually, we did a, a dad tired conference in Houston last week and Sabbath happened to come up kind of unintentionally and we ended up spending a bunch of time talking about it. And what I noticed was all the guys immediately wanted to know all the rules around it. 
Like, what yeah. do we, what do we need to do? Tell me the rules. Give me the checklists. And we went right back to like productivity. It was very fascinating. Um, on a practical level, like what does it look like to rest, like to slow down and to Sabbath and to lean into resting in the Lord? What does that look like practically? Um, I think for men particularly, uh, it requires us to be convinced of its importance and what it produces. Because, yeah. um, I mean, I'm still a, an achiever. I still love, you know, to get stuff done. So I got to I gotta understand what what is this going to do? Um, and so the first of all, it honors the Lord because I think it, it letting go of, of the art of rest means letting go of a gift that God wants to give us, has given us in Jesus, and a way we actually embody Christian faithfulness and, and what a life with God really looks like. Um, uh, I, I am convinced that actually learning the art of rest might be one of the most missionally effective things we could do. Mm, fascinating. Um, Elaborate on that. Haven't you ever been around someone who is at peace? Yeah. I'm and very few people, been, but yes. Yeah. And, but when you meet that guy or that woman, you are like, yo, can we just like hang out yep. and, and you'll almost do anything to be with them. Yep. Um, and, and they're just, they're just, there's something about them that's attractive and, and their lives are compelling. I mean, I'm convinced this is part of what, I mean, Jesus was probably a lot of fun, but also at peace, you know, and I, by, by that, I don't mean lazy, like he's obviously not lazy, um, but uh, at peace with who God's made him to be at peace with what God has called him to do. I mean, I'm struck by the fact that like he got more done than I'll ever do with more restfulness than I'll ever experience. Yeah. Like my man waited until his thirties to get up to like, to get after the real reason he came. I mean, (laughs) that's crazy sounding to me. I've been, I've been in one graduate program after another since as far back as I can remember, Uh, you know, and for constant states of preparation, I, I, I'm, I'm compelled by that. And then he, and then he stopped and then he could laugh with his disciples and, um, you know, peel away to be with his father, even after being with the big crowds. And I think there's something about the life of Jesus. I mean, I know that John Mark Comer, since you mentioned him, he likes to talk, he likes to use the language of the way of Jesus a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there, there's something to that. His ways were peaceful. And when you meet someone like that, oh, man, you just, you want to be around them. And and uh, I'm not sure that the, without rest, here here's what the gospel sounds like to a lot of my non-believing friends. A ruined Sunday. Yeah, more stuff to do like and you're kidding me now you want now you want me to volunteer how many more extra hours and give how much extra money and now I've got to read my Bible and like raise my kids like oh my gosh that just sounds like so many additional things to do past what I was already doing and I'm already stressed out no thanks if that's the way Christianity looks in our embodied practice then uh, that's not gonna that's not gonna fly well it doesn't um, feel like good news. No, it doesn't feel like good news <laughs> at all. Um, and and what I realized, and I think is the most convicting thing for me, is that that's how I was living so much before my own kids. Mm. That you know, dad is stressed out and a little bit, you know, angry all the time, and not not you know, is always behind the eight ball and not quite getting things done. And I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes, like I'm. Uh, and I have a great relationship with my kids. They're amazing. And, and they're all super honest with me. And, and we practice a lot of repentance with each other. And, um, you know, again, stumbling faithfully forward toward Jesus, I think. But this this particular thing has um, 
we talk about, I mean, me and my daughters are talking the other day. Hey, you remember a couple of years ago when dad was like pretty angry mm. <laughs> and like raised his voice a whole lot more and they were like, Oh yeah. And they'd kind of forgotten. It was great that they'd kind of forgotten. Mm. Um, but embracing the art of rest has certainly changed me and is continuing to change my family and my, my children and my church. Yeah. That's inc- that's really fascinating. I ha- I hadn't actually thought of Sabbath as a, um, for lack of better words, a strategy <laughs> in the missional um, lifestyle. That's terrible wording, but um, but just the idea that people are attracted to it looks way more like good news when they come across you and you seem like your soul is at peace. Then yes. it's hard to believe that you've found good news when you always seem. Uh, anxious and tired and overworked um and how how refreshing would it be um that would be salt and light to people to like i'm just thinking about our neighbors who are who are over our house often and to be in our home and just feel a deep sense of peace and that shalom um because we we can really rest in the lord that's good stuff man that's really good um i think i interrupted you on the practical side of things um what yeah. yeah what does it look like just like on the you know a week-to-week basis what does rest look like um for me it's usually fridays um because i'm a pastor and the idea that sunday is going to be chill for me is just hilarious right um sunday is like a 19 or 20 hour day for me very often so it's not right. gonna be chill but uh so for me it's usually fridays and uh uh because we homeschool our kids we're able to take that day off and, and be together and um uh, in the book, I outline a couple of things. I mean, we we have we're very intentional about having family worship that day. We sing. Uh, we try to play games. Um, I try to have an extended time with with God myself. Um, I usually try to take a nap uh, at some point. And, and actually, um, I've found freedom to rest in avocation. Now, this one I have to be careful with because I'm super productive. So, for the, your listeners maybe who don't aren't familiar with that word, avocation just means doing something with your hands that isn't your job. So. Yeah. I like, um, I'm pretty handy. I like to build stuff and work on my house. And, um, you know, like I'm building a new laundry room right now. We have a really, we live in Boston, right? So everything's old. So we have a really old home and I'm constantly tinkering with it. Um, and, and I, I enjoy that. Um, uh, so, so usually my days offer look like that. I try to also, um, the life stage that we're in, um, means that, that my wife is, got a lot of face time with her kiddos. And so oftentimes on Fridays, I'll try to run a little D and give her, you know, while I'm really eager to spend a lot of time with the kids, maybe she's pretty eager to spend some time with herself. Um, yep. And so it kind of works out where she can um, she can peel away and, and get a moment to herself. And then we come together usually in the evenings and we we eat and we laugh and we uh, you know, we we might watch a movie. We'll and we'll of course be intentional about family worship and 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 stuff like that. Um, and we're 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 trying the practice of having God then conversations about him just be normal throughout our day, especially on that day. Um, so again, not at all perfect. I mean, I'm sure if any of your listeners wandered into my house on a Friday, it would be, they they might come back and grade me at various levels of, you know, success, but just the intentionality of going, I don't want this to be, um, I don't want every day to be organized around some sort of thing that we have to get done. Here's, here's something that would really condemn me as a dad early on. I felt this weird pressure to make every moment super special. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's like the effect Instagram has on the human soul or something, but like for every moment to just be like this precious moment, 
Um, and weirdly, that was robbing me of enjoying these normal moments. Yeah. Um, and so I think part of the art of rest is actually learning to find rest throughout your day. Um, so in the, in the last chapter, I talk about daily, weekly, you know, yearly. And so daily, I think the art of rest looks a lot like what, you know, a guy like say Pete Scazzaro talks about, you know, at the end of his books a lot, like the daily office and learning how to practice the presence of God, not just with this fast paced, quiet time. So you can get to work, um, in the morning, but practicing restfulness with Jesus, you know, throughout the day. Um, and at the end of the day, um, so, so that's a practice I think that impacts our Sabbath abilities, uh, obviously the, the weekly day off and then, and then like learning how to take a vacation and an actual vacation, not one of those vacations that you need a vacation from when you get back from right, vacation. Right, right, right. <laughs> how do your kids feel about Sabbath? That's not a word we use a lot in the house. We just talk about dad's rest day. I don't mm. know why particularly I haven't picked up that word a ton. Um, um, but we, we try to, we try to give it to them too. Right. And so me and my wife, uh, are both musicians. And so they all, they all, you know, play music and, uh, we're, we're recovering tiger parents. Right. So we're trying to, uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to, to chill them out too. But, uh, we, we require them to practice for a good bit every day. And we require, we, we require a lot of our kids. And so on days of rest, we don't, um, and we really want them to, to go and be kids. Um, and so I, I think, I think they like it. Yeah. Um, that would be an interesting, maybe follow up set of conversations uh, that I have with them. Um, because they've, I mean, I know they've seen a difference in me. My wife is far more like healthy and balanced and godly than I am. So she's been super patient <laughs> with me through this process. Um, and so I think she, she exudes restfulness a little bit more freely than I do. Um, but, uh, they, I mean, I think they, they feel great about it. Yeah. But our kids love Sabbath cause it's when they get daddy's like full attention, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm not just working. So especially cause I work from home. So, uh, when I'm like, can turn off all the computers and, and phones and tablets and just be like, I'm here with you and let's be fully present together for the day. Uh, my kids yeah. are like, I, they, they love Sabbath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so that's a big one. Put like the practice of putting your phone away. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we've of course, you know, done that on, on our days off as well. And that's been wonderful. Yeah. And I think it's cool how you talked about the permission for like you and your wife to rest differently based on just life circumstance and personality types. I think mm-hmm. that was something that a lot of guys got hung up with on, you know, like what, what might be restful for you might not be restful. You know, maybe she like your wife doesn't want to build the laundry room or re- remodel the laundry room. Like that's yeah, not necessarily no, restful. That's- not on uh, her street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's just cool to like have those conversations with your wife and to ask what is restful for you and what is restful for me, what is restful for our kids and for our family together. Um, but those are, you know, that in Jesus, we have the freedom uh, to, to rest uh, well and to not have to put like a bunch of rules around it, um, which is good news, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would say that with with not putting rules around it and yet trying hard to guard it. So yeah. it's a, a thing that we've noticed as our kids have gotten older, holy cow, sports and activities become this almighty force to devour your time all the time. Um, and, uh, and so there's a weird tension that we're trying to like just now engaging going, okay, well, we definitely want our kids to like be involved in stuff because that's fun. But also we definitely don't want it to be every single day. Um, and, and so that I think has been, 
it has been a, a real enemy of rest mm-hmm. where you've had to figure out, okay, how, how do we tell the coach? No. How do we tell the, the music teacher? No, like, I'm sorry. No. Or the, you know, the orchestra appointment or the, the thing that, that is, you know, that's beckoning and barking at us that we have to go do. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, Cause we have this other thing. And the, the weird twisted up look that you get uh, when you, you know, like, what do you mean? No, don't, you know, as if this one, you know, 10 year olds piano recital was going to be the thing that made her break her <laughs> right. you know, whole career and uh, whatever it happens to be. Right. So. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause uh, I've, I've coached my son in soccer with all his friends for the last three years. And uh, we've had the same team. You've really grown to love the parents and the players. And I signed him up for, soccer this coming fall and um i we had this conversation as a family and with my wife like you know our kind of unsustained pace right now in this particular season and we came to the conclusion like i i just don't think even our son was like i don't think i want to play and you know, my first reaction was like no dude you're playing <laughs> like uh <laughs> like, we've done this every year we coach you know it was and then i was quickly revealed to me like oh this might be my thing and not necessarily his thing um, and, uh, so just had to be like, man, we're not, uh, we're not resting well here. And so I actually had to reach out to all the appropriate people and say, we're going to take the fall off uh, as a family and say no to all the sports and uh, just be together. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. And, yeah. and being willing, here's what I found in myself. And this is really twisted. I am more willing to disappoint my children than I am my church pe- people, my staff mm. or my or, or people that I like barely know. And that's wrong. Yeah. But for some reason, I'm like, oh, they're my kids. They'll understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm quite happy in my flesh to just, you know, I, like I can't let so-and-so down. And that's so wrong and backwards. And I don't know why exactly that's so, so easy uh, of a choice to make unless I'm intentionally going, whoa, wait a minute. That's all wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's so wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah. Well, Adam, I, I know you're busy uh, and I know you're trying to practice resting well. I know you're dad tired. Uh, so thank you for <laughs> taking the time to hang out with us today, man, and share on this. Uh, where can where can the guys pick up your book? Oh, man, uh, anywhere. Um, at, at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, Christian Audio. For the If you're super restless and you just don't even have time to read a book, uh, uh, someone will read it to you, right? Um, uh, but Did yeah, you all, read it? Uh, no, I totally wanted to, but oh, I guess bummer. that was not a thing. But another guy named Adam with a lovely voice did. So oh, nice. It <laughs> works out well, I guess. Um, uh, so maybe maybe for the next book, I'll, I'll get the shot to read it. Um, but no, they had a they had a different uh, they had a different group of people over at Christian Audio did a great job, and um, so maybe the next one. But yeah, that it's it's all right there, and um, yeah, would appreciate yeah anybody who finds it helpful to share the good news with their restless friends because boy yeah. i know a lot of them yep yeah man so we'll put that book in the and links to where they can get the book in the show notes but thank you again man i really appreciate you hanging out with us today my pleasure thanks a lot jared thanks again for listening to this episode of the dad tired podcast if it was helpful for you would you take a minute just to leave a review it helps get this podcast in front of more people so we can have more guys falling in love with Jesus and leading their families well. Don't forget, we have a cruise coming up in March 2020. You can sign up for that by going to dadtire.com, clicking the cruise button. We'd also love to have you come be part of our community. Go to dadtire.com, click the community tab. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week. See you.